Welcome to the Sexy Biz Babe podcast. I'm your host, Tia Lin, a business empowerment coach and motivational speaker. This show is for the high achieving woman who wants it all. Each week, I walk you through how to own your power, generate consistent leads, attract clients, and close sales with ease and confidence. It's time to make money doing what you love. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, my sexies. Welcome back to today's podcast. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about how you can increase your libido, amp up that sex drive in a natural way without prescription drugs. And we are going to also talk about living a prescribed life, growing up in Utah, battling some of the stuff we were raised with. And I have a really awesome guest here today, Lucy Libido. She is a hormone nutritionist and best-selling author that helps women balance hormones and regain libido without drugs. So let's dive in. All right. Well, say hello to my audience. I'm so excited to have you on. Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here with you and all of your friends. Yes. Okay. I met her at my TEDx talk. She actually came up and talked to me after I was finished and we both found out that we live in Utah. Also, side note, go check out my TEDx talk. It is up on YouTube. You can find it by going on the TEDx Talks YouTube channel and just searching on YouTube, Break Out of Shame, Own Your Confidence. Tia Lynn Campbell is the title, or you can just click many of my links in the bio or the links in this episode description. So many different ways. You can find my links on my Instagram at sexybizbabe. So go check out in any of those areas or click the link in the product description. But yes, I found out that we're both from Utah and she's actually from a very small town that I just finished up a wedding at in Provo. It was in Utah County. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's even worse there. So how was it like growing up in Utah County? So it's so funny because you say that my town is smaller, your town was smaller. (laughs) Oh, oh, for sure. Okay. I don't tell people often where I lived (laughs) in Hurricane because it's hurricane, but we're supposed to say hurricane, hurricane because I'm from there. And yes, but I, I say that I'm from Salt Lake though. <laughs> that sounds better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we both grew up in small towns in Utah. And I mean, I don't know your age, me eighties and nineties for me. So probably nineties for you as well. And it was a bit, and we, I live in California, you live in California now. So it's like, it just a very, very different culture. Not only like state to state and like the society and the culture, but also the generation of like what it was like growing up in the eighties and the nineties and like just views on things like gender roles, marriage roles, working versus non-working women, how you're supposed to dress, think, act, behave, like not only, you know, like, uh, you know, the culture in Utah and the culture in California, but even I say that it was so different in the eighties and the nineties and it is now very different world. Yeah. I mean, I just visited for a wedding and even just being there for one day, I already felt like I should have kids (laughs) and like I'm behind 
And I was just like, oh my goodness, I probably would have kids if I still lived there. I don't know what would have happened, but I definitely wouldn't have this same life that completely transformed once I moved to California. Because even my friend, she feels like she's old getting married. And there is that pressure, especially in Utah County, where people are like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? As soon as you get married, they're like, okay, when are you going to have kids? Oh, why? Why don't you want kids? Right? Yes. Yeah, very much so. There, there was very much a cultural expectation to get married young, to have children young, and to have a lot of children young. And I fell into that because that was my whole world. And I was very sheltered. I believe that there was one way to think and behave and do. And I, I always say, like, I look back and I followed my life's prescription, meaning my life was prescribed. You're going to you're going to graduate from high school with honors, and then you're going to go to college and you're going to get married in college, not after college. And then even though you have a college education, you're not going to go ahead and pursue that career that you got your college education for. The purpose of college was to meet the man you're going to marry and to meet the kind of man that goes to college. So therefore you have to go to college to meet that kind of a person, but you have to get married in college because you can't wait too long. And then as soon as you're graduated from college, need to be having babies, which I did right away because yeah. as soon as I graduated from college, I'm like, okay, well, the next step is to have babies. Like it's so sad because I was a dancer and I actually had a dance scholarship mm-hmm. and I didn't even consider auditioning and going out for these companies. Cause I was married and I'm like, Oh, and I graduated a year before my husband. And so, uh, I was like, well, I can't leave the state because I'm married. And there was only one ballet company at that time. And they wouldn't cast if you were under five, six, I'm petite, I'm five, two. And so like, I graduated from college and I just thought my career was over. Like, I'm like, what, 21, 22. And yeah. think like, okay, I, now I don't get to go and do the things I've learned and that, that I've used my my scholarship to go to college and to go to college for, and, and I don't get to actually expand on those skills because I have to not leave because I'm married and the next step is have babies. And I did, I had a baby like a year out of college at that time. I would say it was planned. Yeah. Now looking back, I say that it was planned according to my life's prescription, because Mm -hmm. that was like the expectation of me. And, you know, no, no regrets for my family. Obviously I love them so much, but if I were to go back now and tell myself like what to do in your twenties, I would say, don't have a baby. The second you graduate from college, go live your life, learn who you are, find your purpose, follow your dreams. Because once you have babies and it's a beautiful life, but once you start that life, it's 20, 25, 30 years of being mom Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that time to myself and yeah. I've had to learn how to gift that to myself later in life as an adult, as a mom, how do I gift myself my ability to love myself, live my passion, follow my dreams while being a mom, because I didn't get that opportunity. It wasn't a choice because it didn't exist in my world. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, I'm talking like preteen teens. And I remember the my family being like, oh, like talking down on men who didn't get married right after they got home from a mission. And we're talking, they leave at 19 about, and they come back at about 21. And they're supposed to be having a wife waiting for them to get married. 
And it's usually a woman who is a couple years younger or maybe the same age. And then they're supposed to get married pretty quickly, get engaged. And then yes, the woman starts popping out babies up to seven, eight kids. (laughs) And yeah, like then you are a mom. Like that is your, that is what you do. Like how else, what, how, how else are you supposed to have a life when you go from high school, college, starting having babies, like you don't really have time for yourself and to grow and to build and like to learn about who you are, what your purpose is, what you love to do when you've just been so busy. And now you're literally dedicating yourself to your kids. So I don't know. I just remember that. And I remember like people looking at women when they didn't get married, like before 25, like they were like an old maid. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very different. And what's interesting was, so I had a baby at 22. Right. And then we moved because my husband finished school. We came out to California. He works in the industry and people were just aghast that we were 24, 22, and we have a baby and I'm just choking at the cost of rent. And I'm like, it like costs more to rent here than it does to buy a house in Utah. How do you do this? And people are like, well, people don't have babies when they're 22. You have to spend some time to like have two jobs, work up an income, save towards a house. And we were trying to do that while paying like Mm. infant costs, childcare, all all of my money just went to childcare. And I remember thinking like, we were just in this rut of, of, I don't want to say poverty, but we were in this rut of not being able to move forward Yeah, because all of my money went to childcare instead of spending a few years enjoying our marriage because we just graduated from college. We never saw each other in college because we were both tired, exhausted, you know, working yeah. part-time, barely paying the rent, going to all our classes. And instead of having a couple of years of working and traveling and enjoying each other, we were immediately like poverty, having a baby and barely being able to pay rent, mm-hmm. um, you know, both working. And it was very difficult. Like, obviously we made it through those times and we look back on those years and we just, we talk about those years about how hard they were. And, and I think that the environment that we grew up in really like worshiped hard, like you have to sacrifice and it has to be hard and it has to be a sacrifice. And I don't think it had to be. I think if like I tell my kids, cause now I actually have kids in college now. And it is so weird because I feel like the world has come full circle for me. I'm telling my kids, it is okay to have a girlfriend. It, I want you to focus on your studies. If you need any kind of a support, we're here for you. I want you to take these four years and just think of them as the best four years of your life where you get to focus on learning what you want to learn for yourself and then leave that and go forward and do what like, you want to do with your life. Find your purpose, find your passion, find your love, find your what. It's like the total opposite thing of what like mm-hmm. I was told and I'm raising my kids so different. And, um, I'm excited for them for their journey because they are loving college. They're just focusing on having roommates and going to class and not like trying to pay the bills because you're married and your parents expect you to be on your own. And now you have a baby. It was, it was, yeah. it was 
hard times. That would be really hard. I mean, I'm still, <laughs> I now have found my purpose and went through all of the things, but it's still hard for me to think of adding a kid into my life because it is so expensive in California and I have to take care and like doing it on my own would just be really hard. So yeah, just a very different lifestyle. Whereas like if I lived in California, I'd be making more money. I'd have less rent. I'd have less bills. Like even when I lived there, I was well off. Like mm -hmm. I had a nice car. I had a nice condo. I was already easy. Like life was easy when I lived in Utah. So it definitely changed. And just being around different people, like my friend's goals aren't to get married and have babies. They either have kids already or they're like just focusing on their purpose, focusing on their business, focusing on what they love, building relationships, doing fun things. So it's very different because even just one day there, I was like, this is weird. Like I felt like I went into like a different vortex, like a different whole life. It's like, it's like a completely different culture, but yeah. like what was really neat for me was, um, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I have a really supportive husband. And as we have grown in wisdom and life's purpose, we really understand that we do really both value like an egalitarian marriage where we both have the freedom to work, pursue our life's desires, support each other, raise our children in tandem. And like, there's some things that, you know, we can't go back and change, like maybe how many kids we had or like, yeah. when we having kids, but we can make choices like at this point in our age. So it was interesting mm -hmm. after we came out here, I decided I want to go back to dance and I want to audition. And I, it, it felt so weird. Cause I was like, the, not so much the old person, but I was the only person in my dance company with kids. And I auditioned yeah. a dance company. I worked through, I ended up being oh, a soul, nice. but it was like, so weird because most people are doing that when they're 21 and I'm yeah. like 31, 32. And I'm like, I've got to like get my body strong again. I got to get my muscle strong again. I got to get my weight into like, not, I hate the phrase like lose weight, but like, I need to have a really healthy body mass index. I need to be really strong. I need to be able to do these skills again. And I yeah. started classes like, and I'm like 31, like not having danced in 10 years and auditioned and made it into a company. And it was like my biggest shining moment. And then I Yay! continued dancing from 30 up until about COVID when everything shut down. And that was about 40, which is, it's pretty hard to dance past 40 anyway, with the, the level of what it takes on your body. But I was the only person I come dancing with multiple children as a mom and getting my body back into that place. And it was like the most, yeah. How did that, how did that shift your life, like getting back into dance and putting something that you enjoy as a priority. Yeah. I felt like this is me. I felt like me again, like this is my happy place. This mm -hmm. is what I love. This is what I'm, I, I love to do. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I was always my happiest when I was taking class and it was like sweating and I got to perform mm -hmm. and, and I could only work, do it very little because, you know, I could only, I could only do whatever rehearsals or performances that worked yeah. around my kids' school schedule and nobody else worked around a kid and a school pickup schedule. Like yeah, the, everyone yeah. else is single, right? Because you, you're not a third, you don't. There's <laughs> not very many yeah. uh, 20 and year so, old moms, young twenties here. No. Yeah. And so I'm the oldest one in my company, right? I'm like, I have kids. But I'm like so damn proud. Oh, like, I'm proud of you. 30, 40 year olds can go back and get a gig as a professional dancer, get their body, their mind, mentally, physically in that place where you can, I don't want to say compete, but you, you can do your part. You can stand next to the girl next to you in that line, right? Who's 20 and, and doesn't have to have all of that, right? 
Yes. I, and I will say, you just said it was hard to go back in your 40s. And I'm going to challenge you on that <laughs> because it is hard to get back into it and you have to build and you have to start doing the right things. But you did it before. I'm going to challenge you. Do you not dance anymore? I dance for exercise. I love it. For and fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For fun. They don't hire 40 year olds anymore. Okay. Okay. That's what you were saying. Like, okay. Like as a professional, but I still dance for fun. Yes. I take a class. I'm performing with like a volunteer performance group where we yes. dance for fun. We perform okay. for fun because it fills my joy. Yes. Okay. It's so not, please not tell moms why it's so important to prioritize what you love and your joy and like why it's so important even for your kids. Yes. Cause you'll be happier. I'm happier. I'm happier when I do those things for me. And then after, um, you know, I started dancing, then I really started to get into healthcare hormones. Um, I really started learning a lot about essential oils and I went through a whole, uh, phase that that became the next thing that I loved. And then that became my job. So even though I still love to dance and I love to feed my heart in that way, my, my joy and my soul in that way, I love, love, love like naturopathic and holistic um, treatments. And so I am going through a program right now to become a, a holistic practitioner, a hormone oh, nutritionist. Nice. I, my book, Lucy Libido says there's an oil for that. It's a bestseller. And it teaches everyone about how to use oils in the sheets for libido and hormone balancing. And this has turned into my job because it's something one that I'm good at, mm -hmm. but two that I enjoy and I love. And if you would have asked 18 year old me in little town in Utah, if I would be teaching women about libido and sex hormones in like your thirties or forties, I'd be like, Oh no way. Yeah. <laughs> yet, so how did you I get am. into that? Was it just following like your joy, following those things that you like? And then it kind of just morphed into it being a job just kind of naturally. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a cool story. So my um, son actually has an endocrine disorder. And so I was looking at, okay, how do I help this endocrine disorder? And, you know, the first thing I came up with was you have to like remove all endocrine disruptors. And most endocrine disruptors are fragrances, phthalates. They're the same things that cause a lot of like estrogen problems in women that cause a lot of cancers. Um, there are all the chemicals in our food and in our cleaners and things like that. And so I was just kind of doing a deep clean to change out all my cleaners, to change out all my fragrances. And so I'm like, okay, instead of using candles, I should be using an essential oil diffuser instead of like a toxic cleaner. And that's like got a bleach or ammonia in it. I should be utilizing like a thieves cleaner or like an enzyme spray. And so I was just in the process of like cleaning house to make sure that I was supporting him in the best way possible. So yeah. I got involved with an essential oil company, loved them. Uh, we had some really good results with my son, with um, his focus, his verbal skills, wow. Um, where I felt very strongly that they were making a huge impact in his growth. And I just, I loved the company, I loved the naturalness of it. So I started teaching about, I started teaching about essential oils. And then um, I was teaching a class. I, I would teach like a class every other month. And I taught, a, I thought, oh, I want to teach a class about like using essential oils in the bedroom for like libido and hormones, like for Valentine's. Yeah. I thought that would be fun. And so- uh Oh, yeah. So I'm like, okay, so if I'm going to teach this class, like where's the script on that or where's the book on that or whatever. And I'm trying to find the information. There was none, like no yeah. one had ever, ever talked about or learned or done research on using essential oils for libido. Mm. There was a little bit on hormones, but specifically yeah. on like connection and, and libido um, and improving that for yourself as a woman. And as a man, we talk about that. And that's like actually the funniest part of my classes that I teach is informing it for your guy. And so I was like, well, if I'm not going to be able to find this information, I'm going to have to figure it out myself. And so I opened up a research group 
And in that research group, I invited women from all over. We had all ages, backgrounds. And I said, okay, tell me all this stuff. What's hard, what's not working, what's an issue in your marriage. And we started sharing, got really vulnerable and it got really deep and tearful. And we started learning a lot. And, and a lot of what we learned is like, we're not alone. We, we have a lot of the same issues when it comes to sex or intimacy or relationships. And so I'm like, you know, I'm going to put this together in a class and the women, not so much the women, it's the men were like, we're, we're not going to talk about all of our problems. And you're just going to like put it out on the internet tomorrow. And I was mm. giving them homework. I'm like, use this oil in this way. Tell me what happens to the help with this or that. Right. Mm. It was like some juicy stuff. And we just, the guys were like, we can't just like put this on the internet for like a class. Like they're going to know who you are. We're going to know who we are. And so I promised mm. to protect their privacy. And so what I did was I opened up an avatar Lucy libido. And I opened up the class under the pen name, Lucy libido. Nobody knew who I was. No one knew who I was except for my husband. And I taught this class and it went huge. It went viral. Oh, I love that you people wanted in, they wanted to know the information. Mm-hmm. I love that you did that. And it's such a fun name, like a fun <laughs> alliteration and it's easy to find. It's good for SEO. My marketing mm-hmm. brain is turning. <laughs> and I just want to touch on a few things because this is what I teach my clients is that finding your purpose isn't always linear. And it's not always like, oh, how do I find it? It's following your joys. See how she went from this joy and then this joy and her just pursuing and then following those like ideas, like you just being like, oh, like we need to find this. Oh, this is missing. And this is what people need. And I want to teach it. So you just kept following those like little lights, those little breadcrumbs. And that led you into doing what you love, but you have to trust your intuition, follow those joys and go for it. And you were leading it. It was so, it was so interesting because I initially thought, I'm just going to teach this to like a few hundred people. Mm -hmm. Um, and at that time it was an event, it wasn't a group. And, um, I kind of didn't really know how to moderate a group. Like I was, I don't want to say I was new on Facebook, but like groups and events were kind of the same thing at that time. Now they're very, very different. And I did it as an event. And then all these people from who knows where that we didn't want in there got in there. And I was like, this is too hard. And, And I taught the class once as an event. And then I closed it out. It was so helpful for the people who are there, but then like events close, like it's like, a day yeah. and then I was like Whoo, I'm never gonna have to teach that class ever again <laughs> because the next year I opened up my Facebook account and again I had opened up a pen name a different account I didn't really use yeah. it other than teaching that class and my inbox was full of messages from women that were saying oh my gosh I had so many issues having sex after my mm-hmm. hysterectomy and the things that you taught me in that class helped me to be able to connect with my husband and I feel like this has saved our marriage I'm like oh. Oh my gosh, I had this problem, this problem, and your class helped me with this and that. And there were so many of these tearful messages and they were saying, first of all, thank you. And second of all, next year, I want to invite my friend. I want to invite my mom. I want to invite my sister, but the, how do we get in the class? Because I know it was closed. It was small. It was private. And I want to be able to make sure that they can get in there because that helped me so much. I want to be able to help them. So I decided, okay, I'm not going to just keep it to like the people that... I know personally or whatever, I'm going to just open this class up. And so I opened up the group that you visited my group today. And the group is called Lucy Libido says there's an oil for that. I opened up this group and I was just like, anyone can come in, but we're going to moderate it. We just have to make sure you're a real person. As long as you're, we can confirm that you're a real person. And it's a women's only group. Primarily. We have a few men um, that are like, like work on the team or whatever, but it's primarily for women. So they have a safe space to ask their questions. Mm-hmm. And when I open this group and I'm just like, okay, I'm back, I'm here. I'm going to teach it. Anyone is welcome. 
I had 10,000 ads in one day. Wow. That's insane. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. Because we had so many people that had heard about the class that tried to get in that didn't get in. Cause I was like, mm. I don't know if you're a real person, if you're a bot, <laughs> we learned, I had, I learned, I'm like, I need a team. I need a system. I need to know how to moderate because if I, before I didn't know how to moderate. And then I got like crazy bad thing, like just drama in there that I didn't want. So I was just like, only people I know can come in. And, but that didn't serve. That didn't yeah. serve all these people that wanted in. And so I, when I opened yeah. the doors with a system of safety, then I, the, the doors could just come in. And that group has remained to this day, so organic and safe. I rarely have issues with trolls or people upset or they're there by choice. This isn't awesome. even like an Instagram feed where you're scrolling. People are there by choice and it's super helpful. And then that's when I put out the book because they wanted the information from the uh, Facebook group in a book. And so then that's when I put it into print. Awesome. Um, says there's no for that. And then that became a bestseller. So it just kind of, it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew, but it grew because I was responding to people's needs, what they were asking for, what they wanted. And I was like, okay, uh, we don't know how to teach this topic. I'm going to do my own research group and I'm going to learn how, okay. Awesome. Uh, people want this. I'm going to put it on Facebook. Okay. People want it in a book. I'll put it in a book. It was all about listening to my audience and serving them. And I believe that's why it grew in the way it did was because it was always about helping women with these issues that they want help with. Awesome. Well, let's dive into those. So what are some signs that you have a low libido that women can look out for? Well, I think women know when they have low libido. Yeah. <laughs> they have just have low int- low desire, but some things that you can do to uh, like support that while there's like essential oils. Um, usually a, a lot of times when women have low libido, it's connected to low progesterone levels. Um, and so we have some serums and some oils that we can use that are going to help with um, to keep the progesterone cycle up throughout the menstrual cycle. And that's like a big one that really helps a lot. We have um, aphrodisiac oils that we use that are specifically to help the woman to get into the mood. And then we have um, oils for him that help him with firmness and longevity. And we love teaching about those. Those are like super, super fun. So when a woman comes to me and says, okay, I have low libido, we're like, okay, well, first of all, let's look at your hormones. Like, so see maybe what's off with your hormones. And then we also look at like where they are emotionally. Um, and that's a big part of what I teach too, because you, you can have your hormones like perfect. Right. But if you have an a-hole person in your relationship, that's putting you under chronic stress and is not treating you well, no matter what, you're not, you're not going to have good libido. So I'm like, look Mm -hmm. at your stress levels. Where are they coming from? Are they coming from work? Are they coming from an unhealthy relationship? If you are in a healthy relationship, but you still don't have libido, you're probably struggling with, you're too tired. You're exhausted you're stressed or your hormones are off. So we approach it from like all of those things, or you're dealing with shame because you've got something in the back of your head telling you that you're not allowed to enjoy that, that that's wrong. And then that's bad. And that's a hindrance for you. So we talk about all of those things as things that can help your libido. Mm -hmm. So what are, okay. First things first is I bet a lot of the people listening are like, oh, I have a low libido. So put oil on it. Like what? Like <laughs> what the fuck? So that's what I would think. I would be like, um, okay, you want me to use oils because I have a low libido. Can you share more? Like, why is it helpful? Do you just put it on your arm? Do you ingest it? Like, tell us more. That's awesome. Okay. So I love this question because 
this is literally what I teach all day long in my group. And I could go off for an hour and I will try it off. I'll try (laughs) the, the small version. But um, in my book, I have a whole protocol of different oils for different things. Like these oils are for hormone balancing. These oils are for stress. These oils are for aphrodisiacs um, and then aphrodisiacs for him and for her. So for example, for like, for the female, when we're like, let's, let's refer to like a cycling female too. Cause we also have like pre, like when you cycle and when you don't cycle. Um, so for a woman who's cycling, right? So when we're cycling and we go through our cycle, our progesterone levels tend to drop. And when our progesterone levels drop too low, I always say we be, we go below what I call the, the line of wellness is the political like word for this. (laughs) My husband and I, we actually call it the line of insanity because we've all experienced those days or those times where you just can't deal And like, if somebody just even looks at you wrong, cuts you off, says something, you're like, you feel like you want to rip glass shards out of your uterus and just like throw it in their eye. Cause you're just like, I cannot deal with your stupidness. (laughs) We feel like that when our progesterone levels are too low. And what's interesting is progesterone levels of women today versus like a parent's generation is so low because of estrogen dominance and because of cortisol Um, and cortisol when we have too much cortisol, which is related to stress, our bodies cannot make progesterone. And so most women without knowing it are progesterone deficient. And so instead of, and I know if we're on a podcast, if you see, can imagine me, I'm holding one arm straight and the other arm is like a wave and it's going up and down in front of that straight arm. So like our, our cycle is supposed to go up and down. And if you think of the straight arm, it's like, this is the line of like where we actually menstruate. Cause when our progesterone levels, we go up to hold a uterine lining. And then when we need to release that uterine lining, it'll drop. And it's the same thing when we go into labor too, our uterine lining, um, is held by high levels of progesterone throughout pregnancy. And when we go into labor, I mean, it's more complex, but those levels do drop as well. And so we are supposed to do this in order to menstruate, in order to labor, right? Mm -hmm. But what the problem is, is this wave is like way below, like this wave. Mm. And when we get down to these levels, it kills our libido, it kills our mood. um, And it, um, and it just makes us feel cranky all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we have a, a serum that I love and it's topical and it's completely safe. Um, it's called Progestins Plus. And I tell everyone, mm-hmm. if you're dealing with libido issues, PMS issues, put your Progestins Plus on every night. You can cycle it like the from like your mid-luteal cycle two and through your period, or you can put it on every single day. And what that does is that brings up this wave up to this level of like, it's not going to prevent you from menstruating. Cause yeah. you're, it's not going to be so strong that your body's like, oh, I'm pregnant. No, but it's going to pull it up to like, oh, I feel more healthy. And the reason most women are too low is because of cortisol and stress. Okay. So how do the oils help? Like, I'm just like, okay, an oil. I will say while I'm asking you this question, I use oils. So I, use, <laughs> I have, I happen to have lemon at home and we, I think the little cat has like itchiness and maybe there's mm-hmm. fleas. And so I looked up and it said, add lemon okay. into uh, like a spray bottle and put it on her. So I did that and put it on like the bed and stuff. And I do use lavender like to help me sleep. And I put it at the bottom of my feet and mm-hmm. no joke. When I've done that, I usually just fall asleep. So even though yes. I'm asking these questions, I do notice that they help. Um, I've used, uh, the one with doTERRA it's like for your headaches. And I used to put on my 
for like my forehead and it really helped mm-hmm. me. So, but for the people who don't that. know, like I how love in it. the world does it just help your mood? <laughs> That's incredible. Well, so if you think of an oil, I want you to think of like a food, for example, we know how food helps our body, right? So if we don't have enough magnesium or potassium, we can get cramps, right? Like our muscles don't work correctly. If we don't have enough calcium, our bones don't work or they're not as strong, right? So the the things that are inside an essential oil, I want you to think of it as like a nutrient. It's not a nutrient because it's, it's, it does, it's not, uh, it's not classified as a nutrient, but I think that's the easiest way for people to understand how it helps your body. Like when we put something into our body that supports our body, our body works better. So for example, essential oils have all sorts of chemical constituents that do different things in our body. And the things that they do in our body are the same things that it does for that plant. So either it's anti-inflammatory, it's healing, it can help with circulation, it can help with calm, it can help with sleep, or it can help with hormones. So for example, the one serum that I recommended, it's called Progestins Plus, and it helps to boost progesterone levels. It has wild yam, it has vitamin E, it has spearmint. Spearmint's good for your thyroid. It helps your reproductive system kind of be even and calm. And the wild yam springs up, well, it supports those progesterone levels so our bodies can keep them up. Now, and like you mentioned, lavender, a lot of people are familiar with lavender. Lavender is great for calming. And if you actually look at scientific studies about how lavender works on the alpha and the beta waves of your brain, when you put on lavender and you like a good lavender, a real one. And so not like lavender scented candle, yeah, no. lavender scented Febreze. That's all yeah. candles. I'm saying like just straight oil. So the chemical constituents in that, when you breathe that in, it helps the beta waves and the alpha waves to calm down, to come into the type of wave pattern that helps you to sleep. So this mm-hmm. is why lavender is known to sleep. Like you can actually see how your brain wounds change because it's calming. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for things like hormones or like stress, for example, there is an oil that I love. And I tell women, if you deal with a lot of stress, anxiousness throughout the day. And if you're the kind of woman who you're like, I go, go, go all day. And then I get home and my husband's like, Hey, and he's ready. And you're like, I'm freaking exhausted. Like, are you kidding? And this is a big one. The women are exhausted because we work and we do home and we do all the stress and we've got this mental caseload of a hundred things to do. Right. Mm. So Valor is a de-stressing and a decalming oil and it's a blend. I love it. It's got frankincense and it has blue tansy in it. And it's just smells like absolute heaven. You put it on your hands, you put it behind your ears, you breathe it in. Mm-hmm. It helps to calm your heart rate. It helps you to just like breathe. It just helps you to bring everything down. And when you help to bring down, you're able to breathe deeper. And breath work is good for this too. But you breathe it in, you breathe out, it brings your heart rate down. It helps the adrenaline to come down. It helps the cortisol to come down. Cortisol prevents your body from making progesterone because it's made from the same metabolic pathway. And when you have cortisol stress, your body cannot make progesterone. And that is why we're progesterone deficient. So you're breathing in your valor during the day. You're taking down the adrenals. You're taking down the stress. You're taking down the anxiety. Your body has more ability to have progesterone. So you have more libido. You have more blue. Mm-hmm. You feel less stress out when you're less stressed out, your body can function and you can actually work better. So that's an mm-hmm. example of like that. And then like for lubrication, oh my gosh, 
there's so these two oils, I call them like they're my magics and I make all my lubes out of them. And these two are like, women, you're going to die when you start using these. So there's two oils and I'm like, you've got to use these for in the bedroom. One is Cypress. So Cypress is a conifer um, and it helps to support circulation. Okay. So circulation is like the veining in our bloods, right? So we all know that in men, obviously like circulation is a big deal, right? Like if there's no circulation, like there's nothing happening. It's the same in women as well. Like if we don't have good circulation, I say, you're not going to have any fireworks at the end of your electric parade. It's just going to be like, yay, I saw the floats go by, but I didn't quite get the fireworks. Like you want the fireworks and Cypress helps things to move faster. It helps that blood flow to move quicker, bring blood flow to all those areas. So you can have more sensitivity and you can feel better. So women who use a little bit of Cypress inside their lube, they're able to climax way, way, way faster because it brings out circulation and it's incredible. And then um, clary sage is one of my absolute favorite essential oils for women, especially over 40, but you don't have to be over 40, all women for lubrication because um, phyto, um, clary sage contains the highest level of phytoestrogens in any plant on the planet. So phytoestrogens are the estrogenic nature of that plant and phytoestrogens unlike synthetic estrogens are safe and bioavailable and they're not linked to cancers. They're not linked to estrogen dominance because it's bioavailable. So I have lube recipes and rollers. Like if you're feeling dry and you're not feeling libido, you can put some clary sage in your lube and you roll it on your inner thighs between your inner thigh up to your panty line and around your navel. And then that, because you've got phytoestrogens right near that area, as you start to become aroused, your body will create more of its own natural lubrication because lubrication is excreted when you have enough estrogen and then you have estrogen right there. And then it's like fireworks time. You've got the circulation going, you're not stressed out. You've got enough progesterone, your estrogen's making loop. Your body's working like it did when it, when it was 20. And so it's magical, (laughs) magical what it can do all without side effects, all without risks of like cancers, all without all the horrible things that can come with chemical copycats of hormones, which I don't, don't promote. They're not safe. So essential awesome. oils are so, the best things you can do for that. What are some of those ingredients to avoid? Like in lube and things that affect your hormones? Like what are some of those? This is so good. And I'm so glad you asked this. Um, so phytoestrogens are safe for the body. Xenoestrogens you want to avoid. Xenoestrogens are fake estrogens and they're chemical copycats. And xenoestrogens lead to estrogen dominance, heavy periods, fibroids, cysts, they're related to cancer. You don't want to put any of that near your hoo-ha, your lady garden. So xenoestrogens are usually in synthetic fragrances. So anything that's synthetically fragranced. Um, and they're in a lot of parabens and phthalates and glyphosate. So just trying to eat organically as much as possible, um, fragrance free or naturally fragranced lubes or products. Like we were talking earlier about things like even like tampons or, yeah. uh, or even honestly, dryer sheets are so yeah. full of xenoestrogens. And if that's on your underwear and it's next to your lady parts, that's not good for you. Um, so anything that's artificially fragranced is usually a xenoestrogen um, and an endocrine disruptor as well, um, which means your thyroid won't work as well. Your metabolism won't work as well. It'll be harder to lose weight. 
So you want to stay away from all those. And you also want to stay away from um, petroleum based products like petroleum jelly. I know there's a lot of really popular petroleum-based jelly products on the market. Um, don't use those <laughs> because um, petroleum-based products are really unhealthy for your vaginal flora. You'll want to use like a homemade lube, which I teach in my book, or um, you've got a partner that has a really clean lube as well. A really clean lube that doesn't have petroleum or artificial uh, fragrances in it. Yep. I only had eight ingredients and I'm so excited that they do because it's a new women-owned company that I'm working with. So yeah. I'm really excited that I found that company. And uh, I've had a few questions that people come to me and they're like, okay, well, how do I help manage those intense feelings of like depression and anxiety during hormone shifts or during your menstrual cycle? Those are things that would help. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, my poor, like my poor husband, he's married to me and I, I could be that every, every month. Um, yeah. When our, when our progesterone levels drop too low, that is when our PMS symptoms come out the worst. And so um, using a topical, we have a cream and we have a serum. Um, I love them both. I use them both, but using something that's progesterone, like a wild yam based is going to be really helpful for that and also trying to manage and keep our stress levels um, to, I mean, I know we can't get rid of all stress, but learning how to manage our stress, how to talk through when we're feeling these big emotions. Okay. Why do I feel angry? Why do I feel sad? Is this trigger coming from something internal? Was there something that someone did or said that triggered me? Is there something I need to work through instead of just sitting in that anger? Um, sometimes just breath work and thinking about why do I feel the way I feel? or journaling helps us to get that out. And the sooner we can get that out, the sooner like those adrenals can come down and that cortisol can come down. And again, when our cortisol is high, our body does not make the hormones it's supposed to. Um, and so that's another way we can like totally just breathe, relax and how oils can help with that, that process. Awesome. So you talked about cleaner ingredients and I am an after- of what happens after you get rid of those products. So I struggled with acne. That was my biggest thing. And I was on birth control for, I don't know, 13 years or something. I don't remember something around that. And there was a time that I was just like, when did I start struggling with acne? It was when I got on birth control mm. and I did everything. I did Accutane. I did proactive. I did um, all the clean things. I had an esthetician. I had a dermatologist. They put me on meds, all the things. And I still had it. Doesn't matter what I did. So I was like, what if I got off birth control? And then my um, esthetician is more holistic. And so she made me get off all these things, phosphates, um, alcohols, like all the things that are poor clogging and unhealthy to yourself. I will say now I've taken all those out of my laundry soap, out of my face wash, out of my cleaning supplies, out of what else? Yeah. Laundry detergent. Like I have clean everything. It took a while to figure yeah. out which products, but once you find it and once you kind of get used to what are the ingredients to avoid, what are the products? Like I feel cleaner. My face is clear. Mm -hmm. I feel healthier. Um, I have more energy. So I 
am an after. Like I have before pictures of my face and it has affected me also fertility. So I'd love to hear you talk about that because I do know, I swear I had a feeling I wasn't fertile like before when I was in my twenties and now I'm thirties and I am, I've gotten tested. Like I am fertile. So I have to be super careful. <laughs> I'm fertile. Good yeah, I'm very fertile. So beware. Yes. I uh, did so many changes. So I'm wondering, does taking those ingredients does out of your, like what you're using, does that also help your mood? That kind of thing, fertility? Yeah, it will definitely impact your fertility. So when you're taking um, birth control pills, and I always say there's a time and a place, but the time and the place is not always and forever. And with no like plan is to like get off of it. Right. Yeah. So, and I think that it's overprescribed in like, Oh, you're having period pain, take birth control. Like, Oof. Oh, you have acne, take birth control. Cause sometimes it'll reverse acne, but for you, it made it because your hormones were probably fine the way they were. And then you like added a uh, synthetic estrogen to your body and your body's like, I don't like this. Um, and, or like, Oh, just go on birth control for like 20 years. Like, no, don't do that. Um, use birth control if it works for you for a period, but it's not like oral birth control is the unhealthiest, hardest on your body form of birth control there is because when it's oral, it has to go through your body. It's systemic. It goes through your digestive system. It gets processed through your liver. And when estrogen is processed through your liver, it gives you high risk of, um, of blood clots. And so mm -hmm. if, even if you use something like a ring or a patch or an IUD, your, your risks are so much lower, but I don't feel that we were educated on this when I was younger. It was just like, take the mm -hmm. pill. Um, yeah. and you're like, why do I have acne? Take the pill. But yes. So when we're taking birth control for like 20 years or forever on end, we're not ovulating. Okay. Because that's what birth control does. Well, I'm sorry. That is what oral prescription birth control pills do. There are birth controls that you do ovulate. And those are the ones that I actually support mm -hmm. much, much more, but birth control pills, they do two things. They, um, raise your risks of cancers and blood clots, which are strokes, pulmonary embolisms and heart failure, because you're more likely to have blood clots when you're um, processing that through your liver and your liver gets taxed. And then the second thing is, is it shuts off your ovulation. So your body is no longer ovulating. You have, a you do have a bleed, but it's not a period because a period is when your body is shedding a lining post ovulation. And when you take a birth control pill, you don't ovulate. So when you ovulate, your body will make what's called a corpus luteum. And that's what is preparing for implantation. And that is what puts progesterone out into your body. That's the mm -hmm. highest level of progesterone that you receive every single month is post ovulation. That progesterone surge is cancer protective. That's Ooh. what women from things like breast cancer. And there's research on this, that the less progesterone your body has put out through your life and the higher levels of your estrogen, they're unhealthy. We need estrogen. We need so much, right? Our issue is that we have way too much. Um, birth control pills is synthetic estrogen. So you're taking synthetic estrogen. There's sometimes some synthetic progestin too, depending on the kind you're taking, but because you're not ovulating, you don't create a corpus luteum. You don't put out natural progesterone. And so you have like an almost zero level of progesterone that goes on for a long period of time. And then the lower levels of progesterone you have, the more likely you are to have heavy bleeds, endometriosis, endometriosis, um, cysts fibroids. And so when you go off the birth control, your body hasn't had this protective hormone for what, 10 years, 20 wow. years, yeah. years, 
And then, and then this is when women go off and they go whack and they can't get pregnant. Yeah. Their, their bodies are mm. so dysregulated and there are forms of birth control that you can take that will still prevent pregnancy, but still allow you to ovulate. And I'm such Ooh. a big, okay. Yes. Let's hear it. Okay. What are some of those forms that you recommend for birth control? And I will say before we go on to that, I am thankful that I took birth control because I didn't want kids when I was younger and I wouldn't have changed that. I just maybe would have been aware about some things like mm. maybe I wish I would have known about all these unhealthy ingredients because not only was I taking birth control, I also had the fragrances and the candles and, and the things on my face and my body. And I changed that first and then I got off birth control. And I think that helped me get back to yes. fertility and health. And it was just kind of a natural development that I just felt in my body. And it was the best decision I ever did. But yeah, I understand. Like, I'm so thankful to myself for being on birth control for 10 years and not having a kid for me because mm -hmm. I had different goals and yeah. different priorities. So I am thankful for it, but yeah, I, I just wish. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think that access and accessibility is so important because there may be some women out there that oral birth control is their only option because mm -hmm. it's the only thing that's affordable. It's the only thing they can get. Um, the FDA is very soon coming out with an over-the-counter progestin-only birth control very soon. I'm really wow. excited to see that because it's estrogen-free. It is, um, which means it's not going to carry the same kinds of risks. So therefore they've decided you don't actually have to have a prescription because it doesn't carry the risks. The funny thing is, is when I was given that prescription, I was never told the risks. I was never educated the risks. I was just, yeah. it, right. But because it's a progestin only, it'll be available over the counter because the, the lower level of risk to it, which is really great. But, um, when it comes to risks in your body, um, there are definitely some things that are going to cause you a more toxic load in your body and things that are going to be less. And then you're going to have to take that information. And then you're going to merge that with like your own personal belief system. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of very different and strong belief systems around birth control. And so it's not that one is like right or wrong, but I will just speak from like a medical and a scientific standpoint of this is like the most dangerous for your body in this way. And, and this one less so, and this one less so, and, and, and so on and so forth. But um, the, the most harmful are injectables or orals. So when I was younger, I did Depo-Provera because I realized I was not good at taking the pill. I didn't do it every day. And I was really stressed about it all the time. And the stress caused more <laughs> abstinence in my marriage than the actual birth control itself. The abstinence was the birth control because I was so worried about getting pregnant. Yeah. I was very young and I was a dancer and I couldn't get pregnant. Then I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't take my pill for two days. And like, I, it was chronic stress. So I decided that that wasn't mm -hmm. for me. And then I was going to do Depo-Provera because I just, oh, I had to think about it like once every three months. And I thought it was like, great. Yeah. Well, I mean, Depo Provera, it is great in the sense that you don't have to think about it, but mm -hmm. it's like extremely hard on your body because it's extremely high levels of synthetic progesterone and it's injected all at once. And then it's supposed to just mm -hmm. recirculate in your body. Okay. Uh, and I had, and that will kill your libido that killed my libido. So again, I was doing that, but it was like, even though I was married, abstinence, not by choice, abstinence due to low libido was what prevented pregnancy because <laughs> it killed my libido. And I was like, never wanted sex. And so like, mm -hmm. that wasn't helpful either. Right. Um, so the orals are the hardest on your liver. They have the highest rates of cancers. They have the highest rates of blood clots, um, and all the risks that come with blood clots. And so if you can do something that's not an injectable or is not an oral progesterone, that's going to be easier on your body. So like, what are those? Okay. You yeah. can 
something like a ring. Like I think Nuva ring is a great, mm. uh, a great option. Now the Nuva ring. Now I, I don't know every little detail about every little thing. It probably has some estrogen and progesterone in it, but because it's a cervical ring and you just put, you place it on your cervix, you leave it on for 21 days. You can take it out for a bleed or you can be lazy like me and just keep replacing it. Never have a bleed. That's what I did. I actually don't recommend that because I think the more natural we keep our bodies cycling, the more natural it comes back, but yeah. I get young and like, I was just thinking my period was an inconvenience. I wasn't thinking that it was actually a healthy part of my reproductive system. And I needed to have that in order for my body to function optimally. So mm-hmm. Nuva ring is great because it's not systemic, meaning it doesn't have to go through your stomach. It doesn't have to go through your liver to work. It's right there. It's right by your cervix. And, you know, it works by preventing pregnancy by, um, you know, creating like a lot of barrier and it, and it may prevent ovulation, but it's way less systemic than something that's like an oral birth control pill. And then you you can look at things I've never done. I know that there are, um, Oh, I don't know. They're called like a little, what is it? Your arms. I think that those are going to work similar to like an IUD in the way they work. I'm a big fan of IUDs. I think IUDs okay. the safest and the healthiest and the least stressful form of birth control that exists. Um, when I was growing up in Utah, I had some misconceptions that like IUDs were bad or wrong for mm. whatever reason. I don't know why I believe that. Well, I mean, I actually think I do, but that's like a whole other story. But I was closed off to IUDs in, initially until after I had all my babies. And then I was like, okay, I'm not ready to be me or my husband infertile because we're young because we had kids young, but I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. done. We were done at three. I'm like, we are done at three. Um, and I put in an IUD. And when I did that, I was like, why did I not do this sooner? Like mm. our sex life blew up because I wasn't stressed about getting pregnant all the time. I wasn't like, did I forget my pill all the time? And I wasn't like, oh, I have no libido because I'm so shot up with so much hormones that like, I don't want to have sex now. Like my rhythm and my cycle was just like there. And it was like normal and my hormones were good. Mm. And I had so much libido and I didn't have to worry about getting pregnant. Oh, yes. I'm like, I know that they tell, like they used to say like only get an IUD if you've had a baby because like of getting it through the cervix or whatever. Then I know a lot of people that have done it. I don't think it really matters if you've had a baby or not had a baby. My I got it mine before having a baby, but also I want to touch on, isn't there two different types of IUDs? Uh, I know I did a different one. I did the, I think it was cheaper at the time. It was like a 10 year and uh, I did not like that one. And I've heard the other one was a little bit better. Um, there's, the there's five two. year or something or two. Yeah. It's different. I think this was forever ago. <laughs> so, so yeah. I'm not sure about, um, a five versus a seven or a 10 to my knowledge as, as of today, it's 2023. And again, um, I'm thinking of like what I had available and mine was in for a while, but, um, I believe at this point there are two, uh, different forms. And one is like a Mirena, which is a yes. low dose, um, hormone. And then you can also get a copper IUD and there's a brand name for it. And I can't remember the brand name. Yes. My head. I had that copper one. And I've heard that the, the one you just said, what is it called again? Mirena is better. Is that, which one did you use? I don't want to say better. I'm going to oh, okay. say different people respond to it differently. I okay. loved Mirena. Um, I had a great experience with it. I had no side effects with it. My libido was on fire. I didn't have to worry. I didn't have to think about it. Um, 
but I know people that utilize Mirena and the hormone level was too high or too strong okay. for them. And they had issues like I'm getting acne, I'm getting mood swings, I'm mm. sobbing. And there were, I know some women that were just like, they put it in for three months and they're like cost sunk. They took it out because their body did not like it. And then yeah. I know people with the copper IUD, they're like, I love it. There are no hormones in this thing. Okay. Like that is the best thing about the copper. There are no, no, it's hormones. just the copper the kills the sperm. charge works. Mm. It repels sperm. You can't, it, you cannot impregnate. Like it's beautiful. It's so, I mean, awesome. so ladies trust your body, trust <laughs> your signs. I will say, I remember when I was 18, nine years old, 18, 19 years old. And the doctor was like, he gave me, it was one of the most popular ones. Yes. And they were like, no, you have to do it for two, three months. Like they literally were like pushing me. No, don't stop now. You have to give it one month or two months or three months. Bull fucking shit. (laughs) I will swear at the end of this episode is fucking trust your body. My body was like, I don't feel good. I feel depressed. I'd never been depressed before as a teenager. Mm. I was like, getting weird thoughts. I was not happy. I had low lady libido. And you even though the doctors, you know, yeah, trust yourself. And I was like, I'm not taking one more pill. And I think I only took like two weeks, but there was something off and I knew it. And mm-hmm. so I got off of it. And then the next one I took was, I think I even got a different doctor. And then the next one I took was like a low generic, less hormones. And then I took that one for like five years. So mm-hmm trust your body, trust yourself. I'm sorry to say this, but you don't have to trust a doctor that's trying to make you take a pill that make you feel crazy. Like I felt crazy. Mm-hmm. I felt whack. I felt off. I was not happy. And you were so off because your hormones were a mess yeah. and it was way yeah. too much for you. And it was setting you over the edge and our bodies, our bodies cannot process that when it's way yeah. too much it can't, and it will make you sick. And so, yes, you know, your own body and with birth control, different things do work for different people. Yes. And I always just say, First of all, like you said, you you know, your body has got to feel good in your body and it has to work with your systems, has to work with your belief and whatever way you can do to reduce the amount of hormones that you're taking while utilizing birth control, the better. And, um, like the less systemic, the better. That's why I like IUD so much. And then there are amazing, amazing abilities to now track and prevent yes i'm glad you're bringing this up apps and phones and tools that we did not have and so tracking in my day was like russian roulette because you didn't really know how to track there are so many apps and basal temps and things on your phone that you can like literally plug into your phone every day and track and it will tell you exactly when you're gonna ovulate when you're fertile it is so easy to track and not get pregnant not using anything hormonal in this day and age that if I had that, like, I wish I had that, that didn't exist in my day and age. We didn't have the education. We didn't have the tools. Now we have the education. We have the tools. You have a computer in your hand. It's called a phone and you can like literally plug in apps to it. So it's easy to do. Yes. I love the flow app and it's so synced to my body. It's called, let me just make sure. Yeah. Flow F L O. And it has a pink background. It's literally saying, I have ovulation in five days. I have a low chance of getting pregnant. It also goes over your sex drive. It tracks different times. Like last cycle was shorter. I like changed. It's so amazing. I love it. It's been pretty accurate on guessing when my period is. Sometimes I like change with the moon, which makes me happy. I'm like synced (laughs) with the moon. I'm synced with my friends. 
I feel like sometimes I'm like, why is my mood so weird? And I'll go on the app and it's like, this is normal to have a little bit more stress, a little bit less libido, a little bit less energy. And it just makes me feel a little bit better. Like, oh, I track sometimes where my mood is different. And so now I know like my mood is usually different two, three days my before my period. And everybody's different. So I would say really check it out. I'll put the link in the bio and trust your body. Trust like what when things are off, like look into it. And that's why I didn't keep masking it with drugs and drugs as in like prescriptions, prescriptions mm-hmm. and Accutane and all these things. And even like s- certain things that my esthetician did gave me stress because it was too many things to do. Mm-hmm. And so that gave me stress. So that was also affecting my hormones. And we don't my, need to overthink it. One thing at a time, ladies. My libido. <laughs> yeah. So stress you just to like recover, like stress, uh, what you're putting on your body, what you're inhaling, what you're eating, drinking, um, keeping yourself active and then like regulation, like those can really affect your libido. So check those out. And then what are maybe some fun tips to improve your libido? Yes. Um, okay. So here's some fun tips. I always say that you need to date your partner. And I, I know that sounds redundant, but if you've been with the same partner for a long time, it is so easy to forget. And even if dating them is Netflix and ice cream, as long as it's planned and like the kids will be in bed at this time, I have this date and time plan do try and go out. And I always say little things like if you wear fortitious underwear during the day and you text your person, you're like, Hey, I'm wearing this, like that builds up the mood that builds up anticipation. And for women, that is like that emotional frequency foreplay of getting excited and like looking forward to something. And that doesn't, uh, that's easy that, and it's fun. And so just like these little flirtatious texts, letting them know you're getting ready, like that you've set this time aside for them. Like, don't you feel good when someone is like, I am saving this time for you and I'm doing this right now for when you get home. Like that makes you feel so valued and loved and seen and appreciated. And like that gets you like warmed up. So that's one of my little tips. And I love that. (laughs) One of mine is get rid of those ugly underwear. Ladies, I know (laughs) we're holding on to too many of those ugly period panties. Those panties that are like, I don't know, five, 10 years old. Like think of when did you get these? Are they faded? Do they have holes? Are they like just gross? Like change your underwear, (laughs) get new underwear, go to, you know, online or Victoria's Secret or whatever it is. They have like the deals you can get like 10 or whatever it is. Go get some new underwear and wear them. Like even get cute period panties. Like I have cute, like black cheeky panties when I'm on my period. That way I still feel cute. And I even got like thinks period panties that are cute. They have like lace at the top. So that affects your libido. Feeling sexy from the inside out. Presenting yourself, presenting that is, is as much for you as it is for the other person. And lingerie is as much for you as it is for that other person. It's not just for them. It's for you. So wear something that you love that you feel great in. Yes. So get new underwear ladies, go to your drawer and throw away those ugly panties, those stained panties that don't make you feel good. Get some black ones, get some sexy ones, get some colors, and that will affect your mood and how you feel. And I love it. So We have a freebie from you and also share where can they find you? 
Oh, I'm so excited. Well, I love that you were talking about tracking because it segues so much into this because I have opened a small coaching group because I have so many women that I serve in my larger groups and like my, uh, like my feeds and my social media and people ask me questions all the time. So I have opened up my own coaching group with a tracking app that you can share your tracking from sleep, nutrition, periods, cycles, even post-menopause. Um, from your app to me, and then you can get coaching and assistance through any of your most difficult issues. And we do it in a small group. Um, and that's called the happy hormone lab. And I'm really excited that that is opening up. We're going to do it every few months in small groups. And, um, you can even upload the tracking that you have. So like, for example, you use flow, I use cycles, you can upload your tracking and then I can help you through that. Okay. You're going to need more of these nutrients on this date. You're going to need more of these oils on this date based on your cycle. So it's really, really in tune to you. So, um, you guys can come in and join on that. And then I also have a freebie and it's called, um, how to make, take that off your to-do list and onto your want to list, because I don't want anyone here to feel like sex is something they have to, to do It's something that you should want to do. And you, you deserve to be excited about. And so I have a little freebie of like three little tips to help you to get yourself more in the mood and are quick and easy and fun. And so you guys can, um, grab that for free. Awesome. Go check it out. And you can find her on Instagram. Go ahead and share your Instagram and they can probably look up your Facebook, Lucy libido. You have a Facebook group, but if you go on her Instagram, you'll be able to click her links and find her in all the places. So what's your Instagram? Yep. My Instagram is Lucy Libido. It's very easy. My in my webpage, lucylibido.com. We've got the book there with all the recipes and the lube recipes in there. Um, and how to use all of the oils, where to put them, when really fun book, quick read. You can grab that at lucylibido.com. And then Facebook, my group is private. You have to search for it, but it will be Lucy Libido says there's an oil for that. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I love sharing these amazing details to help women. I promise you it will help you just trust your body, make some of those changes and it will completely transform you. And thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, review, and share with your fellow biz babes. I'd love to hear your thoughts, takeaways, and questions. So leave me a review on iTunes. And until next time, I'll see you at the top. It's up to you to level up.